0: Aren't y'all thankful that we have a good ch- children's ministry here at Clarksburg Baptist Church? It takes a lot of work. And it's not a, uh, a job that you get thanks for a lot. And um, so we need to, to be conscious of that. If you're not working in it, you need to support them by saying, hey, we're so glad you're here. So I'm excited about starting this new series called Remember. Now, many of the thoughts and uh, ideas for, uh, uh, in this series that we're going to go through come from a book by Tom Rainier, the president of Lifeway, called I Am a Church Member. So anything good that you think I say, just assume that he said it, and we'll probably all be better off for that. Uh, But today, in our churches, we've lost what it means to be a church member. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's pray one more time, and then we'll continue. Dear Jesus, we love you. God, I pray that you would... uh, Lord, guide my words this morning, God. I pray that anything uh, that I should not say, God, that uh, you would take it from my lips, God. And anything that I should say, I pray you give me the boldness to say it, God. I love you, God, and I thank you for this opportunity this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So just a real quick disclaimer, anything that's said today that has any likeness to your life uh, just, just either say that's coincidence or the Holy Spirit, one or the other, and we'll just be okay from here on out, okay? So if you say, hey, he's talking about me, I don't know you well enough to know uh, to talk about you yet. So that's what's great about uh, this early process. I can say things with, without restraint. But, um, so our, uh, what we're going to talk about is how our definition as a church member has been tainted and what it results in is a church full of people whose name is on a roll of a church, but they aren't members as defined by the Bible. Clarksburg Baptist Church has about 280 adults on the roll of church membership. But how many of them are actually biblical church members? How many of them are actually biblical church members? Here's a question. You've got two people that join a church at the same time. But after a while, both of them go in very different directions and have very different opinions of the church. They both join the church because they thought it was the best church around. And you hear them early on say things like, I love this church. But over time, these people go in two very different directions. One person remains happy and they serve They get fed, they give, they worship, and the other person becomes unsatisfied and unhappy. Not because of doctrinal issues, not because of controversy or corruption. But what happens is this person over here begins to find out that church members have flaws and that church members sin. And yes, sometimes church members are hypocrites and they get upset at the pastor because He didn't visit their aunt's best friend that lived in Kentucky when she had a root canal. (laughs) pastor doesn't care about me. The pastor needs to make time, they say. They say things like, well, the music's just not my style anymore. It was better in the good old days. Or I'm not being fed by the preaching. Or no one reaches out to me. So what makes these two experiences so very different. One person's happy, one person's serving, and the other person's unsatisfied and stagnant. Statistics say today that nine out of ten churches are either declining in growth or they're growing at a pace that is slower than the community around it. Many churches are losing ground in our own backyard. And the problem isn't that people don't go to church it's that they go to church many times and then they get turned off by the church and by the church members attitudes and actions did you know that only 15 percent of millennials would check a box on a survey that said christian only 15 percent of the people in my age range from 1980 to 2000 they call that generation the nuns and not because they dress in garb of, you know, black and white. They're called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Because on a survey under religious affiliation, they would check, none. We've got a problem. The church has a problem. And we can blame it on secular culture. We can blame it on godless people. We can blame it on selfish and sinful pastors. We can blame it on hypocritical church members. But all of these things have existed over the past 2,000 years. Those aren't new problems. But one thing that has changed over 2,000 years of church history is the definition of a church member. See, today we expect a church to serve us and to feed us and to care for us. Programs and styles and schedules, they need to serve me. But it wasn't always that way. See, 2,000 years ago, in the early church, church members understood that they must serve and not be served. They must care for others, not be cared for. They must pray for their leaders, not tear them down. They must study the Bible themselves, not be bottle-fed the Bible. They must give and not be given to. And in some cases, early church members laid down their life for this new thing. Called the church to the point that it was said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. See, two thousand years ago, they had a biblical view of what a church member was. They viewed it through the eyes of Christ. We talked about this last week. Ephesians five twenty five tells us that Christ loved the church and He gave Himself for it. But does that define your attitude towards the church? Or would it say, I kind of like the church and I want it to give itself to me? See, our churches are weak because the arrow of service doesn't point towards the church and point towards the community. Instead, we want it to point towards us, my way, my music, my opinion, my preferences. But what we need to do is renew, restore, recommit to what it means to be a church member. We need to re-member The suffix re means to return to a previous condition. See, a lot of times we hear people say, well, back a hundred years ago, back this and many. Hey, look, none of that matters. We need to go back 2,000 years ago. We need to go back to the beginning, back to the early church. Because that's what I want to be. I want to be as a church member, a first century church member, a biblical church member. And if we take this seriously, I believe that we'll see several things happen. I believe we'll stop just criticizing the church. And instead of being a complainer, we would seek to be a unifier. And we'll learn the joys of being last instead of being first. Hey, things don't have to be my way. And I can sometimes defer my uh, my opinion for the sake of unity on non-doctrinal issues. One, we'll stop criticizing our churches. Two, we'll see our churches change into healthier churches that have a greater impact on the world and on the community. See, the problem is, is when we fight and when we push our agendas in here, what we're doing is we're losing focus. And I believe the devil is very excited when we begin to get frustrated with each other because we have different opinions on minor issues. Because when we focus on those things, we lose sight of what's really important. And that's that people are dying and going to hell right outside these doors. And we're not telling them. See, every single born-again Christian is to be a church member somewhere. It's assumed in the Bible that if you're saved, you've been, you need to be baptized and then added to the church. Look, we've got a mission and we've got to do it. Everything we do must flow through the gospel. And if we'll begin to focus on having that type of attitude where I'm here to serve Jesus through the church. Why? Because Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. And this is the means of uh, reaching the the community around us is the local church. And 2,000 years ago, the early Christians turned the world upside down through what we're doing here today. And if we'll begin to focus on those things, we'll begin to reach the lost and not just coddle Christians. There's a country club in uh, Columbus, Georgia, and it's a beautiful country club. It's huge, as uh, our president would say. (laughs) It's got an awesome pool, a state-of-the-art fitness center. It's got massage therapy, beautiful golf course. They even provide childcare. You can go and drop off your kids. They've got a place that you can reserve your birthday party. They have a trivia night, Christmas party, tennis courts, and you can go even and watch football together. There's all these screens. And see what you do there at this country club in Columbus, Georgia is you pay your membership fee and you have access to all these privileges. Now none of us in the room probably have the means to be a part of a country club. And if you do, Mike would like to hit you up for some money for the uh, water walk man. But I imagine it's a pretty amazing thing to be a part of, right? It seems like they really take good care of you. Membership has its perks. Membership means that I get some privileges. There's some amenities that I get and other people will serve me because I'm a member. You just pay the going rate and you can have others take care of you. You can live a life of leisure. You see, sadly, this is what many people believe about church membership. And you hear things like, look, the pastor needs to remember who pays his salary. I've been a member of this church for over 30 years, so I have the right to get what I want. I've paid my dues. Well, this is my church. They should play the music that I want them to. Or I don't pay good money to have the pastor step all over my toes. Doesn't he know who I am? And you may say, well, look, people really say things like that? Sometimes. And more often than they say it, they act on those ideas. But what these statements come from is an unbiblical view of church membership. What they really want is to be a member of a country pl- club, but they probably can't afford it. For them, membership is all about receiving and not giving. It's all about my rights, not my responsibilities. It's all about entitlement, not sacrifice. Well, I can't believe that they blank blank blank. Don't they know how long I've been a member? How much I've given to this church. But see, tithes and offerings are not membership dues that entitle members to a never ending list of privileges. Tithes and offerings are supposed to be a gift to God, cheerfully. So, what does the Bible say about being a church member? Now, something that we might not think about is much of the New Testament is written to the church. You got the church of Corinth, you got the church of uh, Galatia, you got the church of philippi and ephesus and the new testament is written to the church and like i said before it's assumed that if you're saved that you would be a member of a church in the local community and first corinthians chapter 12 it's all about what it means to be a church member chapter 12 said that we are a body if you look in uh, 1 corinthians 12 and verse 12 it says for just as the body is one And has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greek, race doesn't matter. Slaves or free, economics doesn't matter. And we're all made to drink of one spirit. Hold on one second. Let me get something. read this next part. I wanted to make sure gender equality and all that was good. So got both of them. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not of the eye, I don't belong to the body, That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smelling? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. What is the point here? Is that this, although it's silly, is a perfect picture of what the church should be. And sometimes when you're not working, we've got a problem because we're missing our eyes. And sometimes when you're just sitting back and saying, I'm letting everybody else do the the lifting, we're going to have a problem because we don't have all of our parts. We don't have all of our pieces. We don't have all of our members working in the same direction. Now, also, we've got a, a problem if... I'm going to go, and I'm going to go in this direction, and the rest of the church is going in that direction. That's an issue. That's a problem. But that's not how God intended it to be. We're all one body, and we're all supposed to function as one body. And the point is that you have a place, and you have a function, a purpose here at our local church. And if you do not fulfill it, there's an issue If you've ever had a body member not function, that's a problem. Sometimes they even cut them off if, you know, it's not working anymore. That's not what I'm saying, but (laughs) you were thinking. A few verses later in chapter 13, it establishes that love should be the central attitude and action of every member. Let's look in uh, chapter 13, verse 1. And look, this is more than just a passage of scripture that we read at weddings, okay? This is real, and this was what it means to be a church member. Our love should define who we are. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging simple. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love i am nothing and if i give away all that i have and if i deliver up my body to be burned but i have not love i gain nothing love is patient and kind love does not envy it doesn't boast it's not arrogant or rude it doesn't insist on its own way It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. What does that mean? That means you could be the best small groups leader in the world. You can have all knowledge. The Bible even says that you could like do miracles, but it does not matter if you do not have love. You can be the most knowledgeable scholar of the Bible. But if love is not your defining factor, you've missed it. Love is the greatest of all these things. See, biblical membership is not country club membership. Biblical membership says that we're all pieces like a member of a body. And members make up a whole. And if a member isn't functioning, the body suffers. Members are different. We can see that, right? Just look around. You're different. Nobody looked around. That's right. Just look around. There we go. Don't stare too long at the one person that's really different. We're different, but we work Together, members are supposed to be founded on love. And they have a function that functions together for the good of the body. And everything we do must be motivated by our love for God. Not praise, not prominence, not control, not the love of our preferences. Can you imagine a church that was all come together of church members that lived out, 1 Corinthians 13. Church members that were motivated by love to show patience and they're kind and they're not envious of what other people are doing. They're not boastful of the things that they've done themselves. They're not conceited. They're not selfish. They're not easily provoked to anger. They don't keep a record of wrongs. They don't insist on having their own way. They're not rude. They're not arrogant. Could you imagine if every church member would live that out? That would be a revival. People would take notice if we acted that way and acted on those characteristics. And love should be our defining factor as a church. Our love should set us apart. Our love should make it, uh, should be the reason that people want to come to this church. Because they see our love out in the community. And they see, hey, someone's, something's got to be different about this person. He's way too patient with me. Hey, he's not always just trying to have things his way. He's not rude. He's not arrogant. Can you imagine if we all lived that out? Can you imagine if I lived that out? We're also supposed to show love to the members that we don't like the weird ones. Once again, don't look at them. <laughs> the unlovable ones. Hey, we are to love the unlovable. You see that all throughout Jesus' ministry. He hung out with sinners, tax collectors, lepers, outcasts. Hey, and that's our responsibility as well. We need to pray for our pastors and our leaders, even when they're doing things that we don't like. We need to serve either, even when other people aren't serving. And when, As a youth pastor, one of the number one things that I heard from young people was that man, I want to do what's right, but nobody else is doing it. And I, don't, I think we're all a little bit smart enough to not say that because we know that that's not a reason not to do it, but I think that we act on those things. Well, Nobody else is doing it. Why should I step up and do it? It's not my job. This person really should be doing it. Church membership is founded on unconditional love for each other and for Christ. So do you know how to uh, remain a biblical church member, a re-member, a first uh, first century church member? This is it. Give abundantly and serve without hesitation. Give abundantly and serve without hesitation. Your time, your resources, your talents. When someone needs something, you step up. Hey, I'll do it. I'll do it. No strings attached. Even if the church decides to paint the lobby gray and you wanted it tan. How many people have stopped giving because they didn't agree with the decision that was made? You're playing your hand there when you do that because that just proves that you really weren't given for the right reason. You really were trying to purchase influence, and when that didn't work, you gave up on it. What happened to the nice Pastor Phil, right? <laughs> y'all hired me. That's what happened. (laughs) A good church member is like a good body member. It functions. It has a purpose and it fulfills its purpose. See the phrase inactive church member is an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. We're called to be active. We're called to perform a function just like the members of your body. You have a place. Maybe that means that you're helping in the food pantry. On September 6th, they're having a big food giveaway and they need help. And how much more help would we have if everybody was pulling their weight? Hey, maybe you can become a greeter. We got a a welcome team meeting here in just a little while. Maybe you can help with the children in the morning. Miss Janet is doing an awesome job, but she needs our help. If you're not a member, you need to become a member somewhere. I'm partial to this church. You, need, you're, you are called to be a church member. After the service, we talked. To, uh, Andy talked about that. There's a place to sign up for that September 17th new member lunch. Not only do you get lunch, we'll also answer any of your questions and we'll talk to you about uh, church membership. But Look, Christ loved the local church. And he wants you to be part of a body of believers. And he made you to perform a function. So how do two people come to the same church? One is happy and serving. The other is unsatisfied and stagnant. Many times it's because the unsatisfied church member makes church all about themselves. And they don't serve a function. And they're not defined by their unconditional love. So the prayer today is, should not, it's not should I serve, it's God, how do you want me to serve? And why, you say, well, why should I serve? Why should I care about that? It's because you were made to fit into a body. If you see an arm laying over there, you're not excited about it. It's not doing much. It's gross. Just crawling around. Halloween's coming up soon and you'll see a lot of that kind of stuff. When a a member isn't performing its function and it's not attached to the body, it's not right. You know, it's weird. It's strange. God made you to perform a function. And until you perform that function and you live and you glorify within life, there's always going to be something missing. It's a funny thing about how God made us. We're only happy when we serve. When it's all about us, man, you become the most unhappy person. You can only get so much of self before you're like, oh, I don't even like me anymore. You are made to give and to serve. And God made you to use the local church to do that. Statistics say that one third of church members are real Functioning church members. That's one in three. So out of a church of 180 attendees, we should have 60 biblical church members that are giving abundantly and serving without hesitation. They're motivated by their love of Jesus, not praise or recognition. What could we do with 180 people that all then all pushed in the same direction. Everyone performing the function that God made them to perform. See, The problem is we have a lot of people asking what the church is going to do for me. How does it serve me? But that's backwards. The church is the place where we go to serve Jesus. So how do you stack up against this first part of being a biblical church member? I will be a functioning church member. I challenge you to commit to being that biblical church member. Committed to give of yourself, your time, your money, cheerfully and abundantly without hesitation. Serving and ministering without strings attached. Not only if they do things the way that you want them to. A church member that says, I will not let church be about me and my preferences, my opinions, and my desires. I will be a functioning church member. Let's stand on our feet and bow our heads and close our eyes. Once again, this is our time of reflection and meditation. If God spoke to your heart about something, this is an opportunity for you to speak back to him and say, God, how can I change? God, out of all of that, God, what do you want me to do? Because preaching is pointless unless there's a call to action. The altar's open this morning as the band plays. Maybe you need to pray for a loved one or a coworker. Maybe you need to pray about joining the church. Maybe you need to recommit to being a biblical church member. You haven't lived up to the responsibilities. Maybe you say, I, I, honestly, I haven't been a functioning church member. I got mad about something and I just quit. They, they didn't do the things the way that I thought they, they, they should do. So I stopped serving Jesus in the local church. Maybe you say, I've been focused on the church serving me, not me serving Christ through the church. And I've allowed myself to become distracted and bitter. Maybe this morning as the music plays, you just want to come down and pray for the future of the church. And you you need to know where your part is. You need to know what your function is supposed to be. As the music plays, this is your chance to respond.